Of Winner Winner, Player Unknown's Battleground Podcast. If you're new, welcome to the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Either way, thanks for tuning in. Winner has been growing, changing, and evolving, which has brought forth a lot of exciting opportunities for the show and our community. But change can obviously leave some of our community wondering what's going on, especially those of you who support us via Patreon and our longtime listeners. So we wanted to take some time to discuss what we're up to and what we're planning going forward, at least as much as we can. We're definitely working up some top-secret stuff. So tonight, it's just two of us. It's me, the one heart, and I'm here with Trigger. What's up? So the topics we're going to go over tonight is some housekeeping for Winter Winter, some of the things we're doing right now. Weapon Mastery hits the test server, and bolt action changes are likely coming. Then we're going to get into a location highlight, one we haven't done in a while, and this is on a personal favorite for me and Trigger. And we're going to finish off the night with an AKM versus Barrel comparison. Excited about this one, Trigger? Yeah, man. I'm excited to get what we have known for a little while out there about the podcast and the community. And I love Paradise. So that should be fun as well. Paradise. You, you've really shown me the way on Paradise. I can't get enough of it now. It is my little training ground. It's the best training ground. So getting into... The housekeeping here. So, you know, obviously, Winter Winter isn't the same Winter Winter as we all got into with Robert Arjuna. And that was left up to the community to kind of see who wanted to kind of step up and take over. A bunch of us have jumped up and, and done some stuff, but some of the mods and names that you might have heard before haven't been around quite so much. And that's fine. People play different games, people get more serious about their streams, people do a whole lot of things, you know, and that's great. So, You'll notice if you come to the Discord, we've kind of cleaned up some of the mods, some of the roles, and we have a pretty core list now. It's Trigger and I as admins. We have a few different mods. I think off the top of my head, that would be Heathy Keithy. Thank you. Basic Bro, Sokolar, and Griff. And am I missing? Stop Collaborate. Sorry, stop. Thank you, too. Um, past that, we now have access to the Patreon. That's a really big thing. I've decided to make sure that Trigger has control of that money because I'm terrible with it. <laughs> but that leaves us with some exciting stuff. Trigger, you want to go over some of that stuff we might be doing? Yeah. So we've got a few cool things going on with Patreon, but we wanted to take this opportunity to officially announce that Arjuna has passed control of the Discord over to the One Heart, as well as the keys to all of the winner winner uh whatever you want to call it. Every domain that we have, right? Yeah, we, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different things that had to be passed on, and, and Patreon was kind of one of the last ones. But, you know, we now have the ability to post and clean up that website. Not clean it up, but, you know, make some changes to the website, add some new stuff, maybe a little bio on ham, things of that nature. Right, so like Kev was saying here, we, we've got control of that. We specifically wanted to speak to our patreon supporters because we haven't talked about it a whole lot since the transition from robin and arjuna to the new crew 
We really appreciate those of you who have hung in there and have continued to support during this time. But as the torch is officially passing now, we did want to talk about it again. Because, look, some people have moved on, dropped up, some people have changed their contributions, all of that is good things. But as we're going to be doing some new stuff going forward, we are going to be talking about it. We're going to have the link updated. The site's going to be updated. There's going to be some really cool stuff that you can get involved with through the Patreon and keeping this podcast going. Wanted to bring that up just to say, hey, we love you. We appreciate you. We are going to keep taking this forward. And now we have the ability and the full keys to the kingdom to do so. Yeah. So thank you, Arjuna, for for passing it off and having the trust with us to take this over. You know, it means a lot getting that. So the money that has been coming in in the past couple months is still just sitting there for us. And so we've had some plans to make good use of that. And it's not just coming and buying us new cool stuff. We actually really figured we should do, do something to spark some community engagement. We were thinking, how do we get people together? And we might start doing some more customs, but for now, we're going to at least get into tournaments a little bit. So, Tricky, you got something pretty exciting tournament-wise. Yeah, so the first announcement here, we actually have a sponsored tournament with the streamer Alex underscore OP, A-L-E-X-X underscore OP. He runs monthly tournaments for PUBG. Dude puts on a great show. And he has invited me to be a co-caster on the tournament May 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Open signups, duos, get there. But this tournament, I'm going to be casting it. We're going to be sponsoring it. This is something we are going to be doing going forward. This is something that we're going to be you know, funding this kind of stuff anyway. So any support that's coming through the Patreon is just going to help support that. So if you want to get in on that and be a part of the Winner Winner community supporting PUBG content, that's how we are going to do it going forward. One of the things that we've got the most feedback and the best feedback is on the interviews and the content creators and the people that are in PUBG every day or on YouTube, on Twitch, making phenomenal content. We have really dug into this community, and we love it, so we're going to find unique ways to pay the community back. So that's kind of our plan going forward and the tournament announcement. So again, May 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time Duos Tournament. Yeah, and so that's a PC tournament. I think the only stipulation to that is uh, entry fee, as it would be, would be a uh, sub to Alex, and that's really it. And then you'll have to go into his Discord for the tournament you know rankings and stuff like that um and getting into your proper area for that but i mean it's it's a pretty low cost of entry and we'd be really happy to see some winner winner teams in there and it's actually not a sub to get into the tournament there are prizes that are for subs only oh so it's not for the winners necessarily nope it's just for the viewers yeah so there's a couple there's some prizes for the winners of every map there's prizes for the overall winners, and then there are sub giveaways. So it's been really cool to see people support him from the viewers, from the players. It's it's a really cool tournament. You got to get out there and check it out. Dude's putting on a good show. I'm honestly uh, really looking forward to jumping on and casting with him. It's something I've wanted to do and get involved in tournaments for a long time. So it should be a good time. 
Yeah, and he has an insane knowledge on map callouts that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get into our own. We're kind of making up our own, but he has crazy knowledge about what you would call different, you know, different parts of the map. I think Trigger, he went and showed you some stuff uh, over in boot camp, right? Yeah, I got the chance to do some duos with him a couple weeks ago, and I was teaching him Paradise, and he was teaching me boot camp, and this guy has close to 5,000, if not over 5,000 hours in this game. So dude has incredible map knowledge and just game sense and game knowledge in general. So learned a lot from him on boot camp, and I had the opportunity to teach him some stuff at Paradise, so it was really good. Yeah, so, you know, we're really excited, you know, to host this tournament and get this thing going. And the last time, you know, we got in there last minute. We actually missed the first game, Trigger and I went. <laughs> I forgot, we. Yeah. We got some fun kills on our friends, uh, Erica, America, and Viking Princess, and they didn't even. They're like, they're not even supposed to be in this tournament, you know. You can throw me under the bus, man, because uh, I actually messaged Kev like two minutes before the tournament started and said, "Hey, do you want to join this duos tournament right now?" <laughs> yeah, it was eight fifty-eight. He said, "There's a tournament at nine. You want in?" I mean, I said yes, but we missed the first round, so we just went out and just tried to have some fun after that. And then so in our last game, we figured out it was Griff that was about 150, 200 meters away, and we had some decent snipes. So we posted up on this hill, and we started trying to kill Grifflicious, and we got rolled up on from behind, and we really couldn't care, <laughs> care less, you know. But it was it was a good time, and then we hung out, and just some insane things happened in his chat after. Some really cool prizes i think there was a couple of monitors given away i mean these were no joke definitely a help to any gamer whether you're on pc or console so definitely be there to watch it's going to be a good time to watch and support trigger and alex and if you can and you know you're able to get there sign up for the sign up for the tournament be there and just play along there's going to be some really good competition but at the end of the day it's just that spirit of community and fun and uh the competition's always a little bit better when you can turn up the loot and do all those things so it'll be a good time yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah and then going forward we might do some of our own winner winner tournaments but that's to be determined we'll, we'll get there when we get there mainly this was just a chance to let you know that we've changed some of the mods and we've changed some of the things and we now have the ability to move a little faster with some of the ideas we want to do and we're excited to see where that goes and if you're still a Patreon or you want to support us, thank you so much. We'll put a link to the Patreon there in case you need to go and cancel your subscription or you want to give us some new ones. We appreciate whatever you've given and whatever you can give, and you're under no obligation to help us out with this. So thank you very much with that. So let's move on to some of the newer content that we see coming in here. We have Weapon Mastery. I'm really excited about this. Dude, this is sick. Yeah. So Weapon Mastery is just something that I am just all too excited to get into. Basically think of Call of Duty and how you have different things like difficult headshots or long range shots. You get into all of that. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> this Weapon Mastery is great because PUBG has come out with a few different challenges through the Battle Pass system or... So whatever they're calling them, Survivor Pass, whatever they are. They've tried a few different things on the challenges front, and there's really two big complaints that come out on each one. One is that there's a cost associated with it, which again, they're 10 bucks, which take it or leave it, we've, we've beat that one to death, so we won't do it here. 
But the other thing is that they put in some weird challenges and not just challenges that make you change up your gameplay slightly or try a new tactic. They put a bunch of stuff in the game that just really wasn't fun, like shooting 300 rounds through an Uzi, which basically told every single person on the map where you are trying to complete this challenge. It was funny getting killed in the middle of that one time, but after you got killed trying to complete it, you know, two or three times, that one was pretty much done. Or you just wait a half an hour, just wasting time in the blue, just shooting all that stuff off so you can die and start over. They've improved it, to be honest, with the new Survivor Pass, but I'm still protesting. I'm not protesting, but I agree. It is significantly improved. But what this is, is every single gun appears to have 100 levels. On the teaser, the highest level we see on a gun is 98. So presumably each gun has a tiered progression of 100 levels. But then in addition, they've also teased this metal system. So now you can progress your guns, but then there's this teaser they dropped that said, we don't know exactly how we're going to implement this, but we're going to implement it. And this is the hard gun challenges, right? They said more info to come. This is the quad kill, the 200 meter plus kill, first blood, 300 ADR, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know if it's going to be like an overall metal or if it's going to be on a per weapon basis. But this feedback that everyone has been saying, like, give us every single gun, give us something to work towards, give us something to do that we don't have to pay for and progress our game, our character, our guns. That's what weapon mastery appears to be from this dev letter. Yeah, I want a reason to run around with an Uzi late game. And now if I have to make it to the top five, I'm going to kill with it. That's a lot more interesting. Well, it's a lot more interesting. And it's not just a battle pass experience gain there may be a medal to go with it which we don't know exactly how you're going to show these medals off but i'm thinking things like apex where you have the banners in the beginning of the game showing off your achievements i think that's a really cool thought to show off your hard mode challenges or something crazy that you did so this to me is only a positive change but we again they're not saying how they're going to implement it but I can sit here and think of a hundred ways I'd like to see it. Yeah, so I know some of them are going to be these charms. And I'm looking at some of the art for the four that they've listed, and they look really, really good. There's a little, little PUBG man, the keychain. They're all little keychains. Think Rainbow Six. Uh, there's the Dino Park, and then there's two others. There's 20 total at launch, but there will be more. So those are little ones that I think I guess you'll get when you do a certain amount of quad kills or a certain amount of headshots or something. Depending on what it is, you'll get that charm. You said Think Rainbow Six, and admittedly, I've only watched a little bit on stream, never played it. Are these keychains like on your person in the game? Like, where do they They'll show equip up? to your weapon. So right on the little left side of your M4, you'll have the little keychain hanging off of the like middle kind of right above where your your right backhand would go it'll be above on the left side hanging off and dangling oh that's awesome so you'll be able to see it and i would really like to see if someone picks up your gun and the way you can change your your skin but you could also just pick up and have someone's dock skin just sitting on there it'd be cool if you could pick it up and be like oh i got this like thing i'll never get this keychain but you feel real cool running around with this dead guy's keychain knowing that you killed a badass 
Like that could be kind of fun, right? So I'm hoping that that's one of those things that like skins, they persist through death or through drops and you'll be able to pick up someone else's gun and like carry their, their little charm around as well. So that's, you know, I'm excited about that. Besides that, there's going to have these mastery emblems, which they said they haven't figured out how to show them off to other players, but they're per gun and they go from level 10 all the way up to level 100, which is this big elaborate, it's like a rune of sorts, you know, it's a big symbol, but it looks cool. And, you know, they just, it keeps growing as you go. So it'll be cool to see, you know, obviously you'll get your M4 up there pretty quick. But then, you know, being able to show off a mutant at level 100 probably be pretty impressive to your friends. So I think that'll be really fun to earn. I've been using it the last few days as my budget DMR, and I've been doing better with that than I have the SKF. It'll be nice to have a reward or at least a progression feeling for some of the guns that we don't like, a.k.a. the Winnie. Yeah. I like... Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it will be fun to use guns that make you uncomfortable, like Trigger and the Winnie. He's uncomfortable with it, you know? Past that, there's the medals that we kind of got into. There's our, you know, getting a double, triple quad kill, the long shots, the bullet storm, deal 300 damage with a single weapon in a match. They're not impossible things, but they're not stuff that you do every single game. So it'll be really nice. The Rampage will be something that'll be hard to get for some of us, and some of us will have it, like, triggered before we even leave Sandhawk defeat 10 opponents within a single match you know and it'll be it'll just be fun it'll be ways to test your skill you can say man i've gotten five frenzy kills i'm getting better yeah and i think where this gets really interesting is if all of these emblems are for each gun because some of them will be much easier with your common guns like the ak the m4 the om the m24 that kind of thing but if you have the long shot emblem which is defeat an enemy from at least 200 meters on, say, I don't know, the crossbow or any of the pistols or a shotgun. I mean, that's when this starts to get really fun, and you'll have those stories that go with those emblems that are just insane. So I, this is something I'm really looking forward to. I think this is a really, really positive move. Yeah, and I hope this this starts to translate to the end screen. But there's more to go on that. We'll, we'll get there. The next thing that's up with this new weapon mastery introduction, and again, we'll have the link in the end here. It's really well, really well done and thought out and put together for us to observe here. Is defeats? Now, defeats are really cool. So they're a new concept that they're bringing to the game to clarify how the medals are earned. So you defeat a player by killing any player in solo, knocking down any player in duo or squad, and killing the last man standing on a team in duo or squad. Now, you don't defeat a player by killing an already knocked player in duo or squad. So you cannot get one on, you can't just steal a kill and, you know, from someone down and get that to count for you. Also, you won't get defeats for killing teammates. As they said, don't be that guy. <laughs> but I think that's great because there's other games where you get into that really, really annoying situation where you get three knocks and a kill because you just wiped a squad while, you know, your team was picking up a guy or whatever. You you do an amazing play with the M4 and you get four kills, three of them knocks and then the final kill. But then you go to the end screen and it just says one kill with the M4 for the weapon mastery because it didn't you didn't take the time to thirst your opponents with that gun and that's counted as the kill, not the knock and an eventual bleed out or kill. That's a thing that happens in other games and it ratchets the thirsting way up, which we've already talked about. You're going to get thirsted most likely anyway. It's like 
no-brainer now if you had if it was tied to this thing without the defeats it would be very annoying very quickly just getting insta flushed all the time it'd be even worse you know so it, it helps clean that up and i think that's a really good thing i do too and when i first read this i actually thought more about the competitive scene and the implications this could have over there or even the tournament scene because i've been thinking about that a little more recently because of the one coming up but with this change it could impact scoring for kills because right now there is a meta of stealing kills because the person who gets the kill count gets the score in the game. So not only will it impact thirsting to a degree, like you said, I don't think thirsting is just going to go away. Oh no, it's not. I mean, it was already there. Yeah. So if you're not getting a kill count for it, there's not going to be the same incentive to pick somebody off. But in competitive, if they're scoring defeats, that's going to change what you do with a knocked player. If you're a third-party team and you're watching two teams fight, you're not going to have the same incentive to give away your position to try to steal a kill from somebody that you have an angle on that's knocked behind a rock. You're going to let them duke it out unless you think you can get a bunch of defeats through the process. I think this is super, super interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting if we'll get defeat points and if there'll be some sort of distinction between defeats and maybe there is a way to steal kills, but it's just for less. So it's, you know, you get that opportunity or that thought going through your head. Do I want to expose myself yet? Do I have a chance to get more defeats, more knocks, more kills after that point? Or am I just stealing something and then putting my team in a bad position or, or just giving away that quiet moment we could have to really group in the little depth that we're holding and then push into the house that we need to, you know, or assess where the other teams are rotating. It'll make that a little more strategic if that's the case. So it could be really interesting. So one last thing for weapon mastery that I wanted to share is that actually two things. Weapon mastery is in development for Xbox and PS4, but there's no hard date there. And then the other thing is that some of the weapon mastery team, this old team that's been devoted to kind of this quality of life type of thing, and they're called the weapon mastery team, they're going to be doing an AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything for the Uninitiated. And this is on Reddit. It's a popular Reddit thing. It's going to be on 4-22-2019, so April 22nd, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to make an announcement in Discord with the link that day in case you forget. I'll forget, so you're going to be doing that, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, you know me. You're the Reddit guy after all. You have to do it. I am the Reddit guy. Moving on, so sniper rifles. They've been contentious. We even had a poll on winner winner, and it's just about neck and neck. As of right now, let's see what this looks like. We have 20 votes for the bolt action snipers and what we think should happen to the damage that's going on. The options are revert it to 1.1 damage to the chest, nerf it to 1.25, or leave it at the current 1.5 what was the original question you asked on twitter so the question was pull time so pubg bolt action snipers damage to the chest be reverted to 1.1 nerfed to 1.25 or left at the current 1.5 which is the change that they made and it's live now and so what that means is that the awm can two shot or sorry can one shot a level two vest and it means that the car 98 can just about hit you for 75 to the chest and the m249 or the m24 can easily do over 75 damage 
to the chest. So if you get hit, heal, and come back, you're going to get hit in the chest and you're just going to die. So it's made people think that they're not much skill weapons anymore. Now the original thought was obviously that this would help competitive, but maybe it wasn't the right thing to do for live. So we got some news on that, but first I'll just share the results of the poll. It's got two days left as of right now. And I just voted. You just voted, okay. Uh, we have 35% who said revert it to the original 1.1. 35% who said nerf it to 1.25. That's what I voted for. And 30% that said leave it at the current 1.5. And you know, just read. I'll read off some of these real quick to show what we got in some of the responses to that too. One of our community members is Silent Jerk. Hey, buddy. Uh, he said, I have yet to see a solid argument as to why it should be reverted. It's mostly just bad players complaining about skill gap. The AWM is a huge weapon. You earn it by getting a crate, and then it only has 20 shots. You deserve to down each person you hit with it. Hot take, okay. That's yeah, a strong one, right? But I appreciate it. And then Doosums, another community member, said, I think leave the damage the same, but fix aim punch. One or the other has to be balanced. Snipers used to take tremendous skill because you had to shoot first and hit. Now, you can tank those two mini shots with limited aim punch and line up the shots. So you can just stand there and take two hits while no effect on your aim really and you get hit. Someone responded to him saying, you gotta nerf the AWM. Anyway, it's just dumb at the moment. So Doosums responded saying, just to finish this up, I think people are super upset with the AWM change are solo players, but do you balance the game around comp setting with squads or make it more interesting for the 1v1s? I think that goes back to my question. Do you make this a public match type of thing? Because the real competitive scene is only four-man squads. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? It's funny because I just kind of did a gut reaction vote by reading the question and then just what I thought of first. And my initial gut was just to revert it. And the reason I thought that was because no one was asking for sniper rifles to be buffed. Like, I don't think anyone was out there complaining that they had to, you know, hit people twice or once with the arm and then spray them down to finish or hit them twice in the chest with the arm. That's not something that I'm aware of people complaining about. So I don't understand why it got changed in the first place. I don't know that a nerf down to 1.25 or leaving it is really a big deal if it really matters. I mean, from a content consumption point of view... I'll say that I don't really find enjoyment out of watching someone get kills with chest shots on an arm on level two gear. That's just not exciting. Yeah. And I'm, you know, you've been watching it happen a lot. You've been watching streamers who play a ton go, this does not even feel good. They're just bored by it. And they're almost like, oh. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, it wasn't a headshot. He still died. Oh, fail. You're like, oh, that was a, that was a chest shot or a neck shot or something. And they're like, but they're dead. So there's, you know, there's that. I mean, I think the arm is it's such a cool gun the way it was because it really incentivized you to shoot people in the head because you knew if you hit it, you killed them. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't hit him in the head, you're like, uh-oh, now the whole world knows where I am and they know what gun I have. So it, I don't know. I'm not sold on one way or the other, but I'll stick with my original that I don't believe anyone was asking for sniper rifles to get buffed. So I would say revert it. All right, yeah. And so they explained when they originally did this that it was because they looked at the competitive data in particular and noticed that it was mainly DMRs for their quick potential long-range engagement options. Even the M16 was more popular, I think, than any of this bolt actions other than maybe the AWM. 
I'd have to go back and look, and I really don't feel like it. Yeah, but for people that are highly accurate, of course they're going to want to take more shots because they have a higher percentage accuracy. Most pro players probably have insane accuracy, like over 30%. I was going to say, they're probably at least hitting a third of their shots. Yeah, so of course they're going to want more opportunities to connect. They've done some of that stuff on the competitive viewpoint, loot buffing and drops based on esports mode and now sr buffs based on competitive too it just makes me come back to our point that we've made on a few episodes why aren't these things handled separately yeah and if you're gonna make us play comp some comp things or, or base some of the things off of comp why don't we have a ranked comp mode now that weapon mastery seems like it might be putting us in a position where that might be a, a reality soon but we don't know what i don't get is that they can't differentiate between what's going to work in pubs and what's going to work in comp. And I think something as drastic as the snipers, at least the way it is, maybe should have, I don't know, been handled a little, little more gently. But I got maybe good news, maybe bad news, depending on what you voted for. I found this on Reddit today. I am the Reddit guy, I guess. Poji Hawkins was in Chaco Taco's stream, and someone screenshotted a piece of that where he's talking, and he says, here's the juice. Player feedback for initial and sniper rifle damage ratio changes wasn't very positive, especially in relation to the AWM. So, our awesome animation and gameplay team will be making some changes soon. Can't give specifics. Notes aren't too far away. And that's it. That's all we know. But a change is coming. So, will it be that 1.25 that I think it might be? Will it be a full revert? Will it be only to the AWM? And what would those changes look like? It's exciting. But... You know, it's kind of a mystery, and we're always speculating on this because we always kind of find out a little bit of a leak, but we don't have the whole story. Maybe we just get one AWM per match, but that's really all we have to say, I think, on that. Yeah, and I want to talk about something you said that they looked at the competitive side, and then you said the weapon mastery is potentially leading us into a competitive queue. And I actually agree with you, and this is why I think it's so positive because. The weapon mastery for each gun is really something that's good for all types of players, whether you're casual or hardcore or professional. It's just something cool that's added for everybody. But then they also said they're looking at sniper rifle changes in the competitive scene. So to me, they're looking at all of the different ways this game is played, which is really what everyone's been asking for. So hopefully this is a sign of what's to come and a potential split of how balance is happening in casual and competitive. Bring us the ranked queue. Yeah, bring us some ranked queue. But yeah, it is nice to see that they said player feedback. So not just competitive or pro player, but this was clearly a response to the people playing public matches. You know, And that's great. We need to have both sides represented. I'm excited to see that we have this whole team. You know, before anyone says they should be spending their time on bug fixes and this and that, those people do not possess the same skills to do the bug fixes, right? They work in different functions. And they're finally using all that money to do something really positive. And every change they've been making recently has been smart. And if it hasn't been, they've addressed it in one way or another. So I'm, I'm excited about that. If it turns out that they were $10 short of being able to optimize the game perfectly, I'm coming after you for that battle pass money. Okay. All right. Fair. It's fair. <laughs> Moving on to something that me and you are really excited, I think, to talk about, and this is 
Paradise Resort. We haven't done anything on any location since Goroka. And Goroka, to be honest, is somewhere that I enjoy the idea of it, but I don't have a ton of time spent there. Well, and let's be honest, Goroka, we did as a location highlight, thinking that we were going to do all of these different cities on Vikendi, and then they launched the cave. <laughs> and it just mm-hmm. ruined all of the cool locations because they put in the Trump location that just trumped everything else, and it was no longer worth even going into them. So between the circle speed and the cave, it was like, all right. We out. That, and, you know, we did cover a little bit of Cosmodrome and Castle and Dino Park because those were the three places we had to go for some of the battle pass, you know, survivor pass things that were happening. So, you know, we covered a little bit with McKendy, but honestly, the circle speed and, and the flow of McKendy matches and then probably the fact that a lot of us are just kind of burned out on that map because we had to play it so often. I haven't been playing that map in particular. I've been playing a lot of Miramar, a good amount of Erangal, and the you know same usual amount of Sanok. The one map I'm not playing right now is, is pretty much Vikendi. If I play 20 games in a day, I play only like two Vikendi. So. Yeah, same. So anyway... Paradise is something that you've been somewhere you've been going for a long time now. Somewhere I've always enjoyed, but didn't quite understand. I knew there was just a lot of times where I'd get hit with crazy angles. When I finally decided to get back into PUBG some more, you took me here a lot. You started to show me the ins and outs of all the little angles and nooks and crannies and elevation changes that you can make that aren't quite apparent to everybody. Yeah. So quick shout out to JCheese One Hundred One and GTuck TV. Uh, these are two guys that we continued to run e- into each other in Paradise and formed a little bit of a Twitter rivalry over who owned it. And there's some pretty funny content out there about some battles, which I'll be the first to admit, I am currently in the loser's bracket at Paradise, and I have been actively seeking the trespassing sign to be removed with my name on it. Honestly, this is my favorite place to drop. It is one of the most unique spots on the Sandhawk map, and if the plane is anywhere near Paradise, and even if it's not so near, I tend to go here. It's really only on far southern drops that I don't go to Paradise, or if I'm playing with a squad that likes to drop somewhere else. But if I'm in solos, I'm going to Paradise, and if I'm in duos, I'm pretty much talking whoever I'm in with into going paradise as well so when kev started playing pretty heavy again he didn't really have a choice i brought him yeah and i've been loving it i really have so you you weren't always a paradise main you were a lokawi guy for a while i was a lokawi guy for a long time and that's a fun place to go but you get stuck down there and someone's on the hill it could be in a bad way yeah there's a lot of things that can go wrong with lokawi which is On the very east side of the map, it's one of the coastal towns. The biggest problem with Lakawi is that if you rotate, which is most of the time, you have to rotate through Death Valley, a.k.a. Bon, which is just a giant bowl that everybody can shoot into. So it's a really challenging mid-game if you drop Lakawi, but that's still one of my favorite places to go, but Paradise is definitely number one. Yeah, I like. I tend to like Lakawi more for duos and solos, but for a whole squad, you have to do the split where, you know, two are at, you know, Lakawi proper, as you'll call it, and then two are on the road spots um, right outside of it, or you have to loop, loop together and then run out, and then it's just a lot can go wrong, and there's a, there ends up being a lot of separation because... 
at least one or two of you guys will be going, oh shit, I don't have enough loot. You end up like, you know, just leaving a little too early or we're just putting too much space between the team. Anyway, that's not what we're here for. We're here for paradise. Yeah, so I'll break down kind of the overall structure of it. And then Kev has put together the callouts that we've been using. Now, you may have heard some other names. These are our callouts for it. And it's really just to help understand the layout of Paradise and how to communicate with your team. Because as Kev said right before this, there are a ton of angles. It's one of the most unique spots on the map. And there's just a lot you need to learn about it if you're going to start running through it or dropping at it. The basic way Paradise is set up is it's perfectly centered. So there's a north, east, south, and west. The first place that you really need to understand is on the east side. On the east side, there is a building that's shaped like a plus sign on the map. And this is the most popular drop spot in Paradise. So it's got a couple of rooms. It's a wide open house. There's three different open entrances to it. And then you've got a balcony, which you can look over into basically the entire west side of Paradise. There's a large courtyard area with some cover. And there's loot all throughout the middle. But you don't really want to be there for until you win that area. If you go into the middle before you won, you're probably dead. Yeah, that's a really fair point. Main looks down over the courtyard. So if you're in there in the beginning, you're at a big disadvantage because of the verticality all around you. But more importantly, it's just really where people rotate through. So if you're going to be there in the beginning, you got to loot and get out and find a spot. So then the rest of Paradise is defined by really the northwest and the south. So the north and the west are both kind of tiered steps that work up to the buildings. So there's a north two-story building and a west two-story building. Very similar. They have ramps on the front, windows on the back. So the ramps face the inside of Paradise and let you into the second story, but are wide open to Main. So the east side, that big plus sign building. But there's steps that lead up to it. There's loot all over the steps and leading up onto the balconies of each of these buildings. In between each section of building, there's actually unique, I would say, vertical positions that you can take or connection points, which we'll get into with the calls and what these places are actually referred to as when you're playing. But just know that there's usually a unique connection or a vertical place to look down and in, in between each of the main buildings. Now the south side is characterized by the two buildings that are identical. In a big, big disconnecting wall that one of them's completely impossible to get onto as far as I know. And the other, can, you can get on there, but I've died up there more than I've killed up there, I think at this point. You probably have a little better luck, but it's easy to die over there too. So the south wall, as we, we'll call it, is, can be a tough one but yeah so this is a time that we'll let's pull out the map because we've kind of defined it and this is one where you're going to want to grab the link in the show notes or just look at a map of paradise resort so that you can kind of go through it with us now i do want to say what one heart's referring to here is the south wall and on that wall 
on the west side of it. He said that there's a part of it that's hard to get onto or you actually can't get onto, which actually isn't the case. There is an urn, a giant urn, on the north side of that wall that you can vault onto, and then you can actually vault from that up onto that west section of the south wall. You rarely see people do this. For one, most people don't try to vault on an urn, and second, when you're on that urn, it doesn't look like you can vault up because it's too high, but you can actually do it. Okay, you're going to have to show me that. I need to know. Really, really need to know that. That's one of the things about Paradise is there's all these little tricks. Really quick, let's just take a brief kind of tour of the map. So where do you, where do you want to start? Let's talk about some strategy in each location. And we're going to breeze through this pretty well. And I'll say this, if you're interested in Paradise Resort and how to get better at it, if you see me streaming and I'm in Sandhawk, come ask questions, come look at it. I'm, I'm there all the time. I think we should start where we usually start, which is what we would call Main. So this is that East plus sign that you were talking about. And this is the building that has the balcony, the East Eastern front steps that go into it as well as the two side locations, the one going north and the one going south. So if we start there, say you land and you get that balcony, which is a really desirable spot to land because there's always one gun up there at least, usually a little bit extra, and you'll be able to quickly tell where everyone else is settling in and get a good look on most of the locations that you're going to need to at least tell your team about. You might not be able to shoot at them, but you'll be able to at least say, okay, there's a team that landed north steps or there's a team that's down by the south doubles which again we'll get into these names and stuff but this is a really good spot to start so if you start there and you're looking north there is really only one good way to run from the main building which is east main as we'll call it on here and that's what we're calling the chute now the chute you can see over the chute from the balcony if you look and peek out but otherwise you're gonna have to be down in the chute to shoot anyone that's coming from the north steps or the north two-story. I really like landing in the chute when triggers on the balcony. I think it's a good spot. There's always some guns there. You can loop around the back of East Main to get to those east eastern front steps and climb over the wall or just hide if you need to and someone's coming up the chute. There's, there's a good little interplay there, but it's not the best place to get stuck, but a decent place to land. What do you do when you're not landing balcony? I think it's really important to talk about the loot situation in Maine. You mentioned that there's a, there's usually a gun up on the balcony, which is true, but the primary big room of the lower level of Maine usually has between four and five guns, and then the easternmost steps leading out usually has two or three guns. So if you're going to drop in Maine, you either have to have your parachuting down really, really well to be the first one to drop, or you need to master an area. So if I'm not going on the balcony, which is the westernmost point of the plus sign, I'm trying to drop into one of the four inside corners. Because the upper left one is an entrance into the main building, into the primary room, the lower left corner is also an open entrance. And then the two inside corners on the right lead to that stair area with guns there. So if I'm not going on the patio or the balcony, excuse me, I'm looking to drop in the doors, the wide open doors first to try to get a gun. Controlling main, which is why we talked about it first, is really critical to paradise. 
And if you're looking to get better at this area, you've got to know how to do main. There are so many different angles looking at each of the other three spots that you can land. And you can also get on the roof in three different places, which gives you an extreme vertical advantage over the rest of Paradise. Yeah, the team holding main is probably going to be the hardest one to deal with unless you can get them distracted and then hold the specific angles, whether it be southeast entrance on the steps, which is the courtyard steps going into main, or if you can get in you know, barge through the front or something. There's there's different ways where you can take over main, but a good team on main is going to have that thing locked down pretty well, and they're probably going to knock at least one of you and be able to get you in a really disadvantageous position pretty quickly. So if we were to rotate down south, from East Main, you'd end up at this little spot called Patio, or at least that's what we're calling it. So if you're on Patio, that's the spot that has the little wooden slats above you, and it's like big high steps, and that leads down into the south double buildings, which we're going to call doubles or twins. Now, Trig, you said there was a, a really good line of sight into East Main from the Patio. What was the name you had for that again? I was calling it the Deck. The Deck. Yeah, so we'll, we'll label that. We, we have a couple things that we want to edit on, a little labeling that we've done. And so we're going to call that the deck. So you have the balcony on East Main, which we're just going to call Main. That is the one that you want to land on. But then you have the deck that looks into Main, which leads into the bigger overall patio area. So if you just say there's a team running through patio, they'll know what you mean. And they'll know to probably start looking towards the deck if they're in Main. But... The deck is a specific smaller spot that is a really good spot to hold, and it gives you access, actually, to that south wall. Now, that's the only way I know of to get into the south wall, right? Yeah, that's the only place you can get on the south wall that's connected to patio. The deck, which is the elevated portion that has steps leading up to it on the northernmost part of where those those slatted deck you know, it look we call it deck because there's slats above it, but it's a raised platform that's pretty small that looks into the entire south side of Maine, and it looks into the front of both the west and the north two stories. So anybody that's trying to loot the various rooms on those two-story buildings is going to have to cross in front of the line of sight of patio to get into the next room. So it's a very commonly held and commonly camped position because it has good line of sights on the other three areas. And frankly, it's got good hard cover from basically any angle. It's really hard to sneak up on this position. If I have a bad parachute, this is typically the second place that I would pick to land would be in the patio. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of ways to vault off of that deck and get out of trouble too so if you had someone pushing in from the patio and they clipped you a few times you can vault right into the center courtyard you can vault further towards east main uh, you can get onto that south wall you can get on that south wall from there and you can try and shoot down on the south double the south twins there's a couple options there for you so the south double was my favorite spot actually for a while when i first was doing this myself especially if it was duos you know you land on one of those and you kill the other team. There's always, if it's duos especially, there's almost always another team landing on the doubles with you. If you could deal with them, you have a pretty limited opportunity for anyone to come and get you from anywhere other than South Patio in that area. Because the little tiny chute or hallway, whatever you want to call that lane coming from the west, 
is pretty narrow and easy to defend against uh, unless someone decides to go and loop all the way around paradise which is a big problem because there's a nice hill behind the double and the twin that people will often shoot from and hold if they're coming in late yeah i think that's a good point to make is that paradise has basically a what i would call a 10 foot brick wall around most of it so somebody that's right up close on the perimeter is going to have a hard time seeing in but in a lot of areas you can actually get up on the wall or get on a hill that overlooks the wall to get an advantage from the outside i think south is by far the most exposed to this because the hill to the south of paradise basically gives you a view into all of those south doubles and onto the south wall so if you find yourself fighting there or trying to defend there you're going to have a really hard time with people rotating in from the south side yeah now that i think about it it's probably one of the one of the more dangerous places to stay at past that first minute or so because of the tendency for people to land somewhere like south soft now south soft would be the little warehouse that is southeast to that uh to the whole paradise resort it's just one little warehouse but those warehouses aren't actually that little and especially in solos you're gonna have someone land there and then try and creep up and clean up there's also a couple different compounds that are you know within running distance they can come in and do some cleanup i actually did that earlier got on top of the east main building with a vss and cleaned up someone who was picking through like six different bodies i felt a little bit bad for the guy but not really so South Double is a good spot to land, but try and make sure you, you leave quickly because, you know, someone could be up on that south wall. Someone could be up on the hill pushing from the south soft building. There's a lot of options and it's not a lot of ways to get out of it other than just straight up running away, which might not even be an option for the whole team. So let's move on to the west. West Steps is not a bad spot there. It's not a bad spot. The the west and the north are very similar, except for one little key feature, and the north two-story building has a wall that's connected to the side of it on one end. So on the north two-story, you can only go around it in one direction. So similar to the chute on main, the north two-story has, has a little pathway around it on the uh, northwest side that is very very cover friendly meaning you can probably go back there and find a gun maybe a helm or just get some cover with very little danger from any other angles unless someone has managed to get up on that northwest wall yeah but you get screwed over there you can get screwed in there if you don't you know if you don't get out of there it is a dead end if you're getting chased into that area, you're going to have a problem. It's uh, basically one grenade could <laughs> can ruin the whole section. Yeah, so landing landing on the steps with your full team, whether it be the north steps or the west steps, is not a bad idea. But you got to be ready to push in pretty quickly or do your rotations. Depends on what kind of, how, how the cards were dealt for you on the steps. So that's when the RNG gets to be a problem because you're, you are in the open at least for a little bit while you're picking those things up. So if someone lands on the west two-story or the north two-story on the balconies and is it use, you know easily able to turn around and start shooting, you'll probably be in trouble. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I would mention here is when you're looking at the map, 
that we've got linked, anywhere you see that kind of light gray, which is on the steps or in the middle or, you know, the walkways connecting all of these buildings, all of that ground level spawns loot. There's mm-hmm. loot all over this place. So the reason we broke it up the way we did is this is where most of the loot is, but there's loot in between the buildings, on the side of the buildings, in these little things that we call shoots, over in the little nook off of north, all throughout the middle of Paradise. There's loot everywhere. Yeah, so like we were saying with the north steps, the north steps are good, but there's that dead end going west if you're down there by the north two-story, and that leaves you with the east the shoot that northeast shoot and that's a really dangerous way to come through that shoot because east main is going to hold it they're going to stay there and they're going to probably be watching in fact trigger and i just did this in some warm-up game just to get our callouts going we were using our callouts which worked pretty well for you know the fact that we just started to kind of really develop them and and try to nail them down so hopefully you guys can pick them up and do the same and you know let us know your results with them but it really did help saying Hey, we got guys north steps. They're coming up the chute. And I was able to kind of scope them out and say where they were. And Trigger was able to get a really easy headshot on a guy. I was able to finish him off. And we ended up wiping two duos like that. So it was really a nice way to work it. Another game, we were stuck in the north two-story. And I had a feeling someone was going to come up on that northwest wall, the north wall. And we didn't know what to call that before. You know, giant wall, giant, you know, how, how do you say that without having a previous call out? But you kind of have a feeling that someone's going to get there. You can climb all over that wall and you can come up from around the side, maybe at the north soft spot. Because just like south soft with that warehouse is a, a set of these two-story buildings that's the northwest that someone could land at and will land at in solos that is going to probably come and try and do a little more of that havoc and shoot into you. And I was able to call a guy out and say he was there. Now, unfortunately... Trigger knew exactly where to peek, but that guy was looking at him already and was able to get both of us pretty easily. But it worked. We knew where we knew where to look. And so that saved a little bit of the, he's over here, you know, he's 320. It's like, you know, you're looking up, down. You know exactly what elevation to look at. And that was helpful. Yeah, and it's we we weren't even getting super specific with it. It was the first time we had put all of these names down on a graphic and started using it, and it was already noticeable. It's the reason why the pros are using callouts on all the different types of buildings. The same strategy applies. If you want to get good at Paradise, it's worth having the names down of, of the common places that people will be. Yeah, at least knowing some of these like really easier ones will help you say, like, you know, like the, I think the shoots are really helpful one if you're going to be that main building dropper because now you immediately know which way they're going. So if you can just remember coming in from the shoot, coming in from east front, or coming up from patio, you'll be in really good shape holding that building. And those things will just, they're going to take you further because when you only have two seconds to relay information, do you want to say there's a guy walking his way up through this area? He's doing this. What do you want to say? Two guys, north steps, coming up the chute. Now you know exactly, you know, how many people are coming and where exactly to look. You're going to take them out quicker because you're anticipating and already primed on their head when they turn that corner. Do we have anything else I think that we need to say about that before we get into some of your trickier ways to work around this map? As we've been talking about, I think what I want to do is I spend about 70% of my time in Sandhawk trying to win Paradise and then moving on from it. 
So I've got a bunch of tips that I want to rattle off, but the first thing I want to do is say, Kev, I mean, you're relatively new to PC. You know, you, you switched over back in December, and then we just started dropping Paradise a lot recently. What are the biggest tips that you would point out to somebody who's coming to Paradise maybe for the first time or is going to start dropping here? What are the things that you would tell them to learn or to look into? I would say split it into those four quarters. Split in the north, split in the east, south, west. Whichever one appeals most to you, just make sure you're landing there every time and then branch out because it's going to pay to know what the main building's like. It's going to pay to know what south looks like. You're going to obviously need to know all of them, but knowing the tendencies of, especially in squads, how they're going to rotate towards you and, and how that's going to all play out, You'll learn about the sneaky spots on the steps leading north from the patio area and from the courtyard from near patio. You'll learn the spots that people are going to hold and wait for you to come into that main building and be on that main room, the center room. They're going to be waiting for you to just run across and they'll pick you off quick. I mean, you just you can't know those things unless you watch people play it a lot and then play it yourself a lot. It's just one of those game sense type things that just comes with time. And it's there are things you can do on Xbox the same way as you can do on PC. And they're just they're really tricky. And it's really fun when you start to learn it. It's the same as learning school or boot camp. We're just trying to formalize it a little bit more so that you can help your friends and get them the information they need a little faster. By and large, I'm just surprised at how well PC players know all these angles. It seems like everyone who goes to Paradise is uh, someone paying rent at Paradise, as we always like to say. <laughs> if you lose Paradise, you got to pay rent to GTUC. But one day, one day, Trigger will own, will own Paradise. For now. For now. Yeah, it's going to be ours. GTUC will come for you. So, Trig, take us through some of these other things. I mean, I went through some of my little tips here, but for the newcomer, but what what do you want to tell someone who's been coming here for a while and they're just wondering how the hell they got killed from that roof? Yeah. So, yeah, let me uh, run through the things that I believe are really important for advanced paradise play. That sounds so weird to say. It sounds that sounds a little a little goofy, but yeah, if you want those those uh, real sweaty strats, right? Yikes. What are they? In addition to the info we're about to go over, I also decided to record a video walkthrough. So look for that in the links in the comments. Okay, so first thing I would say to the newcomer, just to summarize my thoughts on it, you said break it down into north, east, south, west. And then I would also add in the uh, northwest, northeast, southeast, southwest. Because each of those corners has a unique angle or vertical position that you need to know. You need to know how people can get there and what they can see. So that's my thing on on beginners, right? Just break it into those eight things. Start with northeast, west, south. Yeah, those are where you'll land. You're going to land on the north. You're going to land at east or west. You're going to rotate through the northwest or through the northeast. And those are going to be some of the most dangerous transitions. And if someone doesn't see you come through there, that's where you're going to end up being dangerous. But it's really about the awareness and the timing that you kind of figure out over time and how that works. Yeah, really, really good point. You know, northeast, southeast, southwest, how those things play together and when it's time to rush through them, when it's time to take the courtyard or when it's time to loop around will really help you a lot. Okay, so advanced tactics here. 
here are the things I really think you need to know and you need to practice. And almost all of them deal with getting to certain areas or knowing how people get to certain areas. So let's start with the main building. The main building has three primary areas that can get you onto the roof of Maine. You can actually be on the north, the east, and the south roof of the main building. So there's one way that you can get on from the patio, aka the southeast section of paradise, and you have to kind of jump up on the wall and run through the tree. There are then two spots on the balcony of Maine itself that you can jump up onto, and one of them is the urn that is right at the top of the stairs in the corner as you're facing the right. You can vault on that urn and then face the north, so you turn right and vault up, and then you're on a wall that can jump on there. Or on the far side of the balcony or the south side of the balcony, you can jump up on the bench and that jumps you directly onto the roof. This is an extremely advantageous position being on the roof because most people don't look up this high unless they know to, but even when they're running through, they still don't think to look for a little head peeking over the top of the building, and it's a very steep roof. So you're, you're pretty well covered when you're peeking over the other side. That's the number one thing I would recommend people learn is how to get on the roof of Maine and how to do it quickly. Yeah, so words of advice from people who don't do it quickly, like me. Uh, don't keep pressing forward when you're vaulting because I have <laughs> spent tons of games now, even with like Trigger's whole chat watching me, continuously vaulting completely over the wall and trying to just stand on top of and it can put you in really dangerous situations, if not just make you look stupid. So stop pressing forward while you do the vault, and you'll, you'll be able to stand up and just not, you know, jump over it. Another thing is make sure you're really timing those runs to get on to the different spots. Also know that although they look very, very steep, you can get up and over the peaks of the roofs and get all the way around the entire building so that you can look east, you can look west, and you can have cover going either way. Except for the spot directly above the balcony. That's the only one that you can't get over the peak. Yeah, so you would have to go, if you got on from the urn right at the top of the steps and then wanted to look towards South Patio, you'd have to go all the way up and around to get over there. Correct. Another thing to keep in mind is if you're coming from the patio, it's really easy to take over the balcony from that area because when you vault up there, there's a tree that obscures your view and their view. If they're really looking for you, they might see you. But if they're not quite expecting it, you can get up, you can get on, and you might be able to surprise them and get a nice double kill, triple kill, however many are up there. But you can get some really nice approaches that way. When you climb up from the balcony on the easier, more known way from the bench, be really careful that no one's holding the deck. Someone on the deck will, will get you and shoot you almost every time. They're waiting for you to come there or just straight out from the bottom floor of the main. Yeah, and if you heard somebody in patio, you can almost guarantee they're on the stairs up to the deck or they're on the deck itself. So yeah. it is not a good idea to vault onto that bench if somebody if you've heard somebody in that corner. Yeah, so maybe just do a quick little jump to see if someone's there. If you do, you can just take the urn, go all the way around the roof, and maybe get them that way. But still, you know, you just got to be careful. And the last thing I want to say for tips for the, you know, getting on that roof 
is when you're there for a while and you've pretty much won Paradise. Maybe you're dealing with the new people who've crept in and they're you know you're just playing mind games with them. Just be really aware that other teams do just continuously filter through to see what's been left behind at Paradise. It's one of the most consistent places to find loot, and in a lot of times there won't be a team there. So if you're hanging out there extra long, it's happened a bunch to us where we're just playing around. You know, one of us is already dead, and we're just toying with a team and we get shot in the back by another team while we're on that roof because you'll be making a lot of noise you'll be poking damage at people and someone else will be running up so be really cognizant of the fact that someone will be paying attention to paradise almost the entire game it's the same as being in boot camp for too long you just know that someone else is thinking of you yeah good point there's always people rotating in and most of the areas are wide open for rotators there's not really any good spot to just sit yeah, so Paradise can be dangerous the longer you stay there, for sure. Yeah, and it's also got good vertical. If, you're, if you've got a squad, you can cover a lot of different areas for callouts. If you're playing solos or duos, you have to be a little more conscious of where people can come from because you're not going to be able to hold all of the angles. So the rest of the tips I have are just going to be various things that you can do and I don't want to break them down in so much detail that it's hard to comprehend. I think Maine is the, the number one place that we needed to spend time on going into detail. The rest of this stuff is just things you got to get into paradise and you'll see other people do this. And I promise if you start dropping here, you're going to die a lot because I still die a lot. But now I'm at the point where I'll actually win paradise pretty often. But here's the other things to look at. You can get onto the roof of both of the twins or south double buildings. You can get onto both of the south walls, which are very good places to sit because they have coverage, they're shielded from the south doubles, and they have palm trees that block and obscure vision from most of the other angles. There is a way to get on the two-story buildings, uh, but it's very challenging and really, really risky. And I've only ever seen one person do it because it takes a lot of precision vaulting. And it's mostly done in third person. So if you're a third person player, you'll probably see people on top of the north and west two-story buildings more often. I've only encountered it once in first person. Uh, you can get on just about every wall in the entire place. Specifically the northwest wall which has a really good sight line into Maine. It also has a really good sight line into the middle of the compound. Yeah, and there's like steps that look more inward that you can just keep vaulting up these ledges. They're not really steps, but they're, they're ledges that go in a step pattern. You can keep getting higher and higher. Now, if someone's paying attention, they're going to shoot you through the vaulting animations, but you can get progressively higher and get progressively more view into the courtyard in the east main and do some some unexpected things if you can get up there fast enough very interesting to to hold but it's usually a, you know it can be pretty scary other key things to pay attention to are where you can vault in and out of on the perimeters main specifically on the northern chute there's a place where you can vault in and out of that but you cannot jump from one area to the other so there's some good escape opportunities and good ways to push people there but you can get caught because it's a high it's a high ledge it takes a good yeah. three seconds or whatever to, to get over and yep. you will die trying to get over that thing if you're playing a full team and, and trying to be a little too sneaky it's not the best for that 
and they made it intentional. And the same thing coming from South Patio and looping around to that front entrance, you can do the same exact thing, but you cannot just easily jump over even from holding the East Main spot. There's no good way to do that. Yeah, and the last thing I was going to bring up, speaking of patio, is that you can get on top of the planks in patio. Another thing that's really useful if you're pushing down into the south doubles is getting up on that patio because you can see a lot of that area, and it's pretty rare that someone actually looks on top of those planks. Yeah, and so a lot of times when you get Paradise, or sorry, when you just get Sandhawk in general, you start off loading in in Paradise, and you'll have a whole minute. Take that time to run around and try some of these things we've been talking about and get up on all these little things and and just work your way through the map like that and instead of just running out at the distance on auto run as far as you can get that's a good idea that'll really help you without the pressure of finding a gun doing all these other things just see how you can hit all these sneaky little spots and and then show them to your friends anything else we need to go over with paradise here i don't think so i think the final tip i would have is just expect to drop into it a lot and look around and pay attention to where you get killed from or where you kill people. You said something that's so critical to Paradise is that most of the people that go there know what they're doing or have a good idea of all the angles. And I think that's true to an extent, but they if it's like me, I mastered one section at a time and it was someone killing me from somewhere I hadn't seen before that I'm like, what? How'd they get there? Go watch the replay. And oh, that's how you get there. So this is one of those areas that's really complex, and it's probably a good idea to jump into your replays and see where people landed, rotated to, and how they how they killed you. Yeah, and, and like I said, Paradise, you might win Paradise and then get swept up by someone who landed at one of these soft mark spots that I've put, or just the you know adjacent towns, and they, they come in late. And I actually was watching the you know the replay of one of our games that we just had where we, we both had a nice little chunk of kills and we did in fact win the area. And when I looked at my replay I realized that it wasn't the people that landed on South Double that I killed coming out into the courtyard from the South Wall. It was two people that pushed up from completely different area. Must have been way off. I didn't I didn't check to see exactly where they landed, but that was not that team. That team had rotated west and they had died and then it was open. We hadn't pushed it because we were afraid of going through one of those little south patio type shoots and getting hit. So we just we, we waited out and we're trying to find. I still needed a helmet and I actually ended up getting that kill because I was just coming over for the helmet. And these guys popped out and I got lucky. But the point is, is that people are always going to come in late and see what's around, especially if they still hear any amount of shooting. They're going to go, all right, it's getting quiet. Let's see if we can get in there and, you know, rack up. You know, all you got to do is find that last team, and you're going to have everything you need for endgame. That's the best part about Paradise is you can have all the gear you need, but people are going to try and rob you of your launch money. 100%. All right, so that's it for Paradise, I think. If we uh, we get any more little tips for you, if we find any new things, we'll let you know. We'll also let you know when we are the proud owners, and we've uh, kicked G-Tuck out of there. Coming for you, buddy. Seriously, I love the rivalry that, you know, we have going on between Winner and TK and, and, you know, their team and stuff. So it's really, it's been fun. So moving on to our last topic of the night, we have the AKM versus the Barrel. There's the Toxic Barrel skin that's on offer through the, the current pass. And it's a demanding one to earn these skins through the pass. You, you have to do an unlock mission just to get the next one and so on and so forth. And I think the first one is get one kill and make it to the top five while holding the gun. 
and then it gets progressively more and more you know difficult. I haven't spent too much time trying that specific challenge, but I will say I really like the barrel. What I've noticed though is that it's brought that gun to a lot of people's attention, and a lot of players that we've been talking to have actually been really enjoying it more than they previously thought. The initial consensus for most people when they first pick it up and they shoot in the beginning of the game is this thing is impossible to control, which is true. It kicks harder than anything, but you could put almost as many attachments on it as an M4. It takes the same amount as a, uh, as a scar. So once you get the compensator grips on there, it becomes a completely different gun. That said, the AKM is a beast in its own right. So which one's better? Let's try and figure that out. First, before we get into it, Trigger, which one do you like better? I love the AKM. I knew you were going to say that because I watch, <laughs> I watch you play either from the grave or just uh, from the stands, you know, your chat. But yeah, I see you with the AK a lot. I see you with the AK and the SKS an awful lot. And you got the same skin on it. So I'm always like, wait, which one is it? And then I, you know... I can hear that full auto spray. I didn't even know I had the same skin on it. It's that white and red, white, red, and blue one from the Vikendi Pass. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I notice you with that a ton. Yeah, I do like the AKM a lot. If I have the opportunity to get an AKM with a compensator on it, I'll take that over just about any other gun, including the M4. No, I think you're kind of lying to me about the M4. The M4 is still something you pick up most often so i don't know i think you depend i think it depends on how much sevens you have it depends how much sevens i have and it's really comes down to the compensator if i have an ak with a compensator on it i will not trade that for any other automatic weapon if i have an m4 with a compensator on it i probably will not trade that for an ak so i, I it's really that's what it comes down to if i have an ak and I see an M4, I will trade the AK for an M4 if I do not have a compensator. But if I have a compensator, I will not trade it. Okay. All right. What are your thoughts on the barrel? I actually like the barrel. I've been having a little bit more fun recently because of the challenge. But this brings up something I want to talk about just in the tune of um, how to get better in general at this game. And there's something, I actually just had this conversation like an hour ago. I had a DM from somebody that said, you're not going to believe how dumb I am or something of that nature. And what they said is, are you familiar with the vertical recoil multiplier? And I said, yes. And they were at the default vertical recoil multiplier the reason i bring this up when we're talking about the barrel is the barrel has insane vertical kick and if you are at the default 0.65 vertical recoil multiplier this gun is going to be nearly impossible to use effectively unless you have like six feet of real estate for your mouse so I bring that up because I think it's important for you to check your vertical recoil, and it depends on your DPI and your sensitivity and all of that. If you're using a lower vertical sensitivity multiplier, you may be having a big-time problem with guns like the barrel. Yeah, and so a lot of people like to have that one-to-one, -one, you know, no matter what direction they move their mouse, they want it to be consistent. Yeah, and it was discovered a long time ago that the vertical multiplier was different than the horizontal. You could actually go and do some tricky things in the game files to get it to be one-to-one, -one, and they since implemented the setting where you could adjust this. So newer players may not be aware of this, 
or why it's hard to control some guns. So definitely something to look into. But even someone who's been playing for a while just didn't catch that change. So definitely check on that setting in particular. A lot of people like the one-to-one, meaning the same distance you move your mouse up will move up the same distance as if you moved it to the right. That, that'd be a one-to-one. Yeah. So what do you have your set at, by the way? One-to-one. Just one? It's just set at one? It is set at one. I've been considering moving it to 1.1. There's a few people that play with 1.1. I've been very interested in 4X spray control recently, which I'm good at with the M4 and the QBZ, but I'm not so good at it with the AK and the barrel. So I've actually been considering upping it a little bit. So I'm now realizing that I've not really touched this since I don't know when, and mine's really low, actually. What is it? I'm, I've been doing damn well with 0.71. Yikes, dude. I'm going to have to change it, but I'm not doing it right now because I want to play after this. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like fine with it. I think the only reason, and I've brought this up on way too many episodes and I should probably stop talking about this game, but I've been playing Row, and I haven't actually been playing Row in like the last week or two. That game was something that made me start thinking about like how to really actively pull down and use a lot of my real estate. I don't, I've gotten pretty consistent with it, and the barrel's actually been my gun that I practice with every time before I get into a game. What I've been doing is going into the training grounds, the training mode, and I'll spray at least a thousand rounds of seven through the barrel, just trying to keep really, really tight circles so that I'm ready to go and pull down on anything when I get into the game. So now I'm realizing I've been making it even harder on myself and not even paying attention to that. So I guess I got some some you know relearning to do, and it'll probably be easier. It will be, and you know where it matters the most is when you have a low vertical sensitivity multiplier, you have to pull down a lot more to get that shot on target. Now, if you're just fighting 1v1s, that's okay. You're going to have time to reset. If you play primarily in squads... That will be the number one place that you recognize the effect of the vertical multiplier. Because when you have to spray one target down and then reset and spray another one down, or you're doing a spray transfer, Mm -hmm. you're having to reset your mouse either in between those or you're not resetting at all. And I bet you will notice that you are running out of real estate on your mouse pad in squad fights with a low vertical multiplier. Yeah, so I got some stuff to work on here, but you know, at least I've been exposed, and maybe you know this is a good conversation because then it gets other people going and be like, well, "Why did I have it there?" You know, I've been thinking I was fine, or maybe they added up too high. I know some people who you know have crazy high sensitivity and they have crazy high vertical sensitivity multipliers, and they're like, "I barely had to move at all to hit the shot," but I wonder how they're able to you know do other things like stay on target. But this might help me stay on heads a little easier. You know what I mean? So it's just gonna be something I'm gonna have to play with. And I'm gonna go up like you know one tenth of a point until I get up to one. So I'll do I'll do it tomorrow. I'll probably do 0.8, and then I'll do 0.9, and then I'll do you know straight one. So it's back there. Um, and I'll be really interested. I'm really interested just to see you know how that feels and if it makes it a lot easier for me because I've been doing a lot better recently just by putting the practice in. So maybe if I get my settings dialed, it'd be even better. Yeah, and I think where you'll 
you'll notice a few things. One is when, you know, someone's uh, peeking you from a window that's above you and whatnot, you're going to tend to have to overcorrect for a while. You'll notice it. And it is. This is a really good conversation to have because this is one little thing that could be causing a lot of issues with a lot of players. They might not even be aware of it. Yeah, there's, there's so many things that you set and forget. Vertical sensitivity multiplier is probably one that you want to make sure is, is as optimal as possible so that you can set it and forget it after that. But clearly from this conversation, I don't want to be at 0.71. I will say it is it is possible to control the barrel at that point, but it's it's much more difficult. Yeah, and I think we got into a conversation here that's probably more important than comparing these two guns. Yeah, I think so. So I think at the end of the day, the barrel and the AK are comparable weapons. I think if you can fully kit out the barrel with attachments, it's a really, really good gun. But it does have kick and you've got to control it. I think the AK is more consistent. But the higher DPS on the barrel, which it does 547 damage per second compared to the AKM's 490 damage per second, is something to consider it's readily available on all of the maps, and if you're just running past it every time you see it, you may be losing out on some kills because you're increasing the time to loot when you're dropping in. Yeah, so just to make it seem so you understand the, the fire rate differences here too, the barrel has the same fire rate as the AUG and the M4, which is 0 0.086, whereas the Scar L has a 0 0.096. The QBZ is a 0 0.092, so just slightly faster than Scar, but still a lot slower. And then you get to the AK 47 or the AKM, and they're at 0.1, considerably slower. And in terms of when it comes down to that split second, it's going to be more powerful overall. But if you're tapping at range, you get into an interesting thing because the base damage is different. You do 49 damage with an AKM, and you do 47 with a barrel. It's still four shots to kill in most cases to the chest. It's still going to be two shots to kill to the head in most cases too. Definitely something to think about. I think it really comes down to if you land hot next to a barrel and an AK, I would probably suggest that you pick up the AK because it's going to be more stable off the jump, or at least more familiar. That's funny because I was going to say the opposite. It is more stable. It is more familiar. But for whatever reason in my mind, I was like, I would pick up the barrel. But I don't know if I actually do that. I know that I pick up the barrel last. I, you know, once I'll go around and after all is said and done, that's when I'm taking the barrel if I have the choice. Yeah, maybe that's just the battle pass in me. Like this new pass has got me thinking that I need to pick the barrel up all the time. <laughs> Yeah, see, I'm not, like, too worried about it. I don't even know if I can earn that without buying it. I don't think I can. So I haven't been going for any of the challenges, really. You know, I might just for fun to see if I can cross them off, but I'm not worried if I get the toxic skin for the barrel. It's not going to be the one I use ever because Choco Taco is getting a barrel skin. So I'm getting that. I'm buying his shoes. I'm getting his parachute. Like, you know, I'm supporting mm. Choco Taco. I'm excited to do that. And I already like the barrel in that nasty black that it's already got. I think it's just menacing looking. It's a beefy gun. I don't know. I wasn't worried about the toxic since I hadn't been going for it. But yeah, just my gut instinct is like the AK is never going to have a grip. So if I'm good at shooting that in general, I'll be all right. But the barrel is something that I typically only practice 
with at least a comp or at least to have this you know i do practice without those things i practice a little bit with it naked but you instantly see how bad you are with it and you're like let me put some grips on this thing yeah I, I don't know i think if you can leave the town with the barrel fully kitted you take the barrel if not you you take that ak because you're going to be pretty damn good with it over most ranges and, and everything just because you're probably more familiar with the akm i actually think both guns are pretty similar in the early game i think the barrel has more opportunity later in the game as you get more attachments for it but at the end of the day i find myself using the ak way more often especially with a compensator yeah and if we're looking at overall dps there's no there's no other assault rifles you're going to get on the ground that are going to compete with the barrel barrel has the highest dps any ground gun it is outclassed by the M249 and the Grotza. The Grotza. The Grotza. I got stuck thinking, am I going to do the uh, boring American or the fun Grotza? <laughs> and I said some weird thing in between. So, you know, whatever. But yeah, so, you know, it goes down the, you know, all the way down to the DP28 doing only 468 DPS per second, which is almost a full 100 DPS lower than the barrel. So, you know, it has a lot of potential. And it's available pretty widely. So if you can get good with it, you should. But if you feel more comfortable with a AKM or a 5.5 weapon, we're not going to fault you for it. You're still going to do really well. I don't know. So is there a winner? I don't, I don't really think there is one. I think they're just both really capable weapons. Yeah, I think the summary for me is that I need to use the barrel more often and get comfortable with it because I'm probably running past it or by it in scenarios where it could actually help me. And rarely is it a barrel versus AK choice in game. It's usually something different. I think I would just say that AK for me is the early game and the barrel is the choice for the late game with your attachments. But you're just always in good hands with both, so that's it. I don't know. Just have their own their own strong points. Sorry, there's no controversial like final word here on that. Kill them all. Yeah. So I think that about sums it up. You know, we did our little little bit of uh, shopkeeping, upkeeping with you know Patreon and all that's going on. We talked about the new weapon mastery system. We talked about sniper rifles. We got into paradise and named some of our own call outs for that if you have your own i would love to hear them and then we got into the ak and the barrel which one's better which leaded to probably one of our more important conversations of the night and that's your vertical sensitivity multiplier and really all of your sensitivity options if i can go back to one last thing about sensitivity is that when i first switched over i had my sensitivity my dpi up very high and i hadn't touched anything in the in-game settings so I was at all 50. Once I switched down to 500 DPI, I had to use a lot more of the giant mouse pad that I bought, but I started seeing massive improvements in my game. That might not be the case for you, but if you're having a lot of trouble and you're, you feel like you've hit a plateau, or you feel like you're just getting killed all the time, think about lowering your sensitivity or just at least spending some time tweaking it. It can be a rough week, day, whatever, but you'll ultimately at least know that you made the right choice or realize that you've been spending a lot of time playing in a sensitivity that was not right for you. There's still work for me to do, and I'm sure there's work for everyone to do to dial in that perfect sensitivity, but definitely try and figure that out. But anyway, we covered a lot of a lot of fun stuff here tonight, Trig. Yeah, man, I'm actually pretty excited about some of the uh, tangents we went on. Yeah. Those are good things to talk about, because you went in, I saw you log into the game in the middle of the podcast, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I was just trying to see what my thing was set because all of a sudden I was like, "Oh no, where am I?" 
Am I even one to one? You know, have I have I even set that properly? And I'm not. So there's something for me to work on there, and I'm excited to you know to get there. But for now, I, I'm surprised that I was even pulling off some of the shots. Then I guess. But that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much. Tell us what you think of everything. Come into the Discord. Tweet at us. Uh, we're gonna put all those things in the show notes. You'll be able to find all of that. As always, thank you very much, Spiffy Man, for the music. And Trigger, where can we find you? Before I tell you that, I do want to say one thing. There's been a number of people that have asked how they can support the podcast. We've been putting that off for the past few months, just figure out exactly how we want to move forward, getting full control over everything and the handoff from Arjuna and Robin. That's all done now. And so I just want to say Patreon is going to continue to be the best way to do that. And I will say that even if it's a dollar once or a dollar a month or whatever, all that's going to be put to good use. It could be anything from microphones replacement to paying for the domain fees, things like that. So if you're interested in supporting, it's definitely not required, but we absolutely appreciate it. And we'll get those links in all of the episodes going forward. And to those of you who have been supporting all this time, thank you so much. Regarding where to find me, I am MTB Trigger on just about every platform. I recently got my Instagram off the ground. I'm on Twitter, and most of the time, if you want to find me talking about games or PUBG, which is basically the only game I play right now, you can find me over at twitch.tv forward slash MTB Trigger. Come talk about the episode. Come hang out in paradise with me. That's the best place to find me. All right, that's great. Yeah, and guys, again, if you ever have something you want us to really go over, if you have a favorite spot that you want us to break down, if you have someone you think we should interview, just come in and let us know. Tell us, you know, who it is, what it is. We'll look into it. We'll definitely get back to you and just talk to you. Always come by the Discord. Come by Twitter. Come by everything and just say hello. Get to know us and see who's playing what. We have communities for Xbox and PlayStation. We have the in-Discord looking for group that you could use. There's lots of ways to get in touch with our community at large, our friends in different communities. Just come through the Discord and we'll get you hooked up. Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at the One Heart Live, And you can always find me in the Discord. Thanks guys so much for this episode. We'll be back soon. Hopefully we'll see some of you at the Alex OP tournament that Trigger's helping out with on the 10th of the month uh, of May. And that's it. Winter out.